If you'll turn to the portion of the liturgy that has the scripture in it, I'm going to read that uh, for us this morning. The first part comes from Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 40 through 44, and the second part through Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Please give attention, for these are the words of God. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. In laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them. It would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on heaven to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And... um, as we continue in our sermon series, um, the Christ of Christianity, as we continue uh, to look at how what Jesus did in his public ministry forever changed the world and now forever shapes and calls what Christianity should be about. Today we are going to look at Jesus, the healer, Jesus the healer. It is safe to say that we live in a, um, a world of Christian caricature when it comes to healing. We either see the Southern Gothic inspired tent revival, sequent coat wearing traveling evangelist a la Steve Martin and Leap of Faith, or the vest wearing charismatic a la Robert Duvall and the Apostle, right? Two great movies, by the way, or maybe because many of us grew up like 
happening in the televangelist era, we can hear the guy on the television saying, put your hand to the TV and get your healing today. Or buy your prayer cloth or I've seen prayer coin and be healed today. Just the other day I was looking at um, uh, some guy on TV and he says, you can go to Amazon.com right now online and pay for your healing blessing. $15, this kind of healing. $5, this kind of healing. $20 if you're really sick. And I would say we've kind of come full circle to a post-healing Christianity where nothing is quite supernatural and everything can and must be medicated or if you are medicated or treated, it is somehow in contrast or divorced from your faith in God. Many of us are tired. We're sick and tired in our faith. We're cynical. Prayer for healing is a cultural formality, especially here in the Bible Belt. I'm really feeling sick. I'm praying for you. And some of us are kind of laughing a little bit because we know we think when someone says, we're praying for you, it's like, thank you. That's the same thing as, I'm sorry you're feeling sick. We are cautious and paralyzed to seek healing for ourselves and others. Well, this scripture and its message and story for us today is this. Christianity is a religion of and for healing, real healing, because its Lord Jesus is still and will continue to be the healer, the one who heals our bodies and our souls. Now, leading up to this story in our reading today, Jesus has healed as you have before you a demon-possessed person in a church. And then the Bible says that he goes to Simon's house after church that night and Simon's mother has a fever. You don't have this written. And, and he healed her of it. And she felt better. And then it says the news spread about him and that people brought Jesus as you have before you in chapter 4, verse 40. All who had various kinds of sicknesses and, and laying his hands on each one of them, he healed them. And then later on before the paralytic story, he heals a leper of his skin disease. And, and then we have the story of the paralytic who gets healed. And verse 17 says this. One day. Jesus was teaching Pharisees and as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there and it says this and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. And that phrase power there of the Lord means this, that the power necessary to do what had to be done to heal whatever and whoever was to be healed, he had it. I mean, these scriptures that we've read and, and all the things that happen in between tell us that Jesus has the sheer ability, the, the quantifiable power to heal anything in anyone that is broken or sick or diseased or, or, or mentally messed up or like spiritually messed up like demons taking over your bodies or, or whether they diagnosed it back then thinking about last week's sermon on counseling, maybe to heal some sort of emotional or mental illness 
Jesus. And you may have heard the old-timey preachers and gospel song put it this way. Jesus is the great physician. Which means this. He is MD and PhD. Right? He, he's all in one. That, that he is surgeon and, and pediatrician and, and OBGYN and orthopedic. See the paralyzed man story here. He knows the ins and outs of, of ethnic-based diseases and, and gender-based complications. And family medical history is a, is a cinch for the one who created each one of us and everyone in the universe. And what's interesting is he doesn't have to waste paper on medical records. Jesus, Jesus is a walking health care institution for all that is messed up and not working right or not registering right, or where there are too many cells here, or, or too little this or that, or something grew in the wrong place or the wrong way, or, or a foreign substance or organism or malevolent being has entered us and causing havoc. Jesus can make it go away and make us feel better and live and walk and be whole like we were intended to be. He has the power to heal us. It means this, you and I can't come up with or bring him a diagnosis that he can't handle. We can't come up with a medical mystery that he can't solve. We can't come up with enough numbers and letters, H1, H2, N3, whatever it is, confuse or confound his abilities. Dr. House ain't got nothing on Jesus, (laughs) especially considering Dr. House is not real. But if there was a Dr. House, he would be an intern. In Jesus' ability, he would have been fired. But he would have been an intern in Jesus' ability because he wasn't nice to people. Jesus wouldn't like that. But the term here says, what else? That the presence, the power, it says that the power of the Lord was present for him to heal. And Lord here, curious, or, or, or the one with authority. And if you put the in front of it, you get the point. He has control and right to heal whenever and whoever he wants to. The Bible says that he laid hands on each one of the sick people. And then he even pulled away to, you know, because he needed to go preach and, and that he would not be forced to heal or in some cases stop from healing just because people were critical or, or the place wasn't right or, or the day wasn't right or something may be telling him that it wasn't right. And we see that in, in the way Luke describes the different places and times that Jesus healed people in the church, outside of the church, sunset, morning, Sabbath, not the Sabbath, as people came to him and when he came to people. Sometimes they were brought to him and sometimes cho- Jesus chose to bring it to them. I mean, look at what happens with the this paralyzed man. He is lowered down before him, before Jesus. And Jesus psychs them out, right? Look what happens in verse 20. So they lower the man down. And when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of his friends, the faith of the paralyzed man, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then he gets healed later. 
But what is the Bible telling us about the Lord of Christianity? That he is the Lord of healing our bodies. He, he, he can do it and in charge of it whenever and however and for whoever he wants. Friends, your sins are forgiven. What's that got to do with my healing, Jesus? That's why I broke through the roof. I'm the Lord. I do what I want with it. How I want to do it. And, and what else does this mean? It means that nothing can stop Jesus from healing us if he wants to. Not your age, not your economic situation, not your race or nationality, not whether it's Sunday or Monday or whether you went to work, work went to church three weeks in a row now or have missed or have never missed a day in 30 years or, or you're a good or a bad person. He is ultimately the Lord of healing and nothing and no one else. And it means that the flip side is true. Because you can't do anything to force him to heal you in the way you want to be healed. You can't be good enough or bad enough or desperate enough or, or have faith enough. Because remember, many brought him to, many were brought to him. And some of those folk weren't healed. The Bible tells us that he was in, around that part of town and all these folk tried to fence him in, if you will. You know, he was maybe in a building or, or in, in a pasture somewhere up on a mountain. And folk just thought, if we, if we just crowd Jesus in, he won't leave. And Jesus, the Bible says he, he, he told him that I have to slip away from here. I got to get away from these folk. In other words, not everybody who wanted to be healed that day got it. And he just decided, because he's the Lord, to heal the paralyzed man and reward the faith of him and his friends at that point for his reasons and his way. Well, let me say this, because I believe the Bible is teaching that he, as we look at the whole text, that, that he is the Lord in power behind all kinds of healing. And that includes the realm of medicine. I believe Jesus does and can work through it. There's even a passage where Jesus heals the man's eyes with mud and spit. He could have just said, your eyes are healed. But he... (laughs) Don't try it. It don't work. Jesus spit different than yours or something. I don't know. Noah's probably the same. He was human too. But when he did it in his hands, you, you get the point. I mean, I have seen medicine and medical miracles happen when they should not have. And not happen when they should have. For rich folk and for poor folk. You know, I think about home remedies. Some of y'all should not be here today. Because grandmama told you to do this. I talked to y'all about this before. Hey, I just got hit by a car. Just go lie down and calm your nerves and you'll be okay. (laughs) And aspirin was the answer to everything, right? Just take this aspirin or again, lying down. Just get, in other words, get that crying out of my ears and you'll be better. Just go away, sit down, lie down. You know, how? Because you talk too much. If you stop talking so much, you feel better. You know, all these home remedies. I mean, thinking about how people made it out of the dark ages and cultures and countries where medicine is borderline superstition. Why? Because of God's grace at work. The Ingalls family should not have lived. All it took is one rusty knife and that's it. 
Let's put some water on it. It'll be all right. The thing looking a little bubbly. It'll be all right, Laura. You'll be fine. <laughs> Think about that older daughter. She blind. Something went wrong. All it took was an aspirin or Tylenol or antibiotic, and she would have been seen. But anyway, how do we make it? How did medicine work back then? I was looking at this. I don't know what movies like back in King Arthur days and the way they were eating that food, how greasy and stink it looked. Botulism should have taken out about three million of them. <laughs> Nobody washing their hands, dogs under the table, fleas jumping on the food. And it, <sighs> Here's the point. Jesus, regardless of the medical ability, is and was the Lord of healing and not the healing itself. What can we say based on what scripture says? That he has the authority to heal and not to heal and it still means for us that he is the only place we ultimately can go. And we have no other choice but to trust whether we see ourselves trusting or not in the decision and the timing and the power and the use of the power of of the one who is the Lord of healing. But there's an ultimate hope in it all. I want you to see, though, that he has an ultimate goal to heal our bodies. He, in healing many and some, because in, in part of his message of being the Christ... That's why he's healing people, which which is this, that he is ushering in and preaching the kingdom of God and the coming kingdom of God. And part of that kingdom plan is that our bodies be healed, that along and with and in his plan to reconcile the world to God, to bring heaven to earth is reversing the fallen curse that is on our bodies. This thing about when they lowered the paralyzed man and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus wasn't missing something here. He didn't make a mistake in his speech. That the the, the brokenness, sin itself, the the fact of the the issues of the world have some are connected completely to the fact that we get sick and that we die and our bodies have problems. And so when Jesus saying, "Friend, paralyzed one, the one looking for healing, your sins are forgiven." What is he doing? He is connecting the message of forgiveness of sins with the healing of our bodies. The two go hand in hand. Now, it is more implicit here, meaning, you know, it's somewhere in there it's kind of harder to really pull out. But later the New Testament writers through the Holy Spirit expanded on what Jesus was saying and doing and and, and brought illumination and and light and gave us a more explicit message of final healing of our bodies that in the Gospels and, and healings that even happen today that Jesus is simply giving us an appetizer. I would even say a promise. For the whole thing, that that we will be in new bodies one day, that we'll no longer suffer pain and sorrow and and be invaded by hurtful and harmful things, that that these bodies one day will no longer break down or wear out, that we will be clothed in ways that match the heavenly environment, that, that Jesus has come here in the Gospels to open the way for healing for people like you and me, that as we believe in him, we can 
can be guaranteed we will be made well. Here's a takeaway. The one who has the power and authority to, to heal will and does heal our bodies now and forever. That we care. And, and, and it says something. If, if, if healing is part of the gospel distinctive, if it's inseparable from, the, like bodily healing, if it's inseparable from this idea of forgiveness of sins, and as we look at the whole idea of a, of a coming kingdom that's going to correct everything that's broken, including our bodies. Remember, we were intended to be in these bodies. I want to get that straight. You know, some of the, hey, Christianity is about being more spiritual. Yes. But Christianity is about restoring what happened in the garden. And when God created Adam and Eve and he put a living soul in them in that body, it was intended that that soul and that body have a, have a, a psycho, spiritual, somatic unity that, that would never be broken. And so that's why it's weird when we go to a funeral and we see a body, we can say something ain't right. Because the person, that's them, I see their face, look the same, but something's not connected. And so what we see is that the kingdom goal is that we all be made right in our bodies. So how does that transform Christianity and Christians? Well, I think on one level, just one. We're called to care about the comfort and well-being of human bodies and the suffering that goes on in them. It's a kingdom distinctive that that we, we care, we practice and believe in the practice of medicine. You know, I think about the healthcare debate. It's a doggone shame. That, that, that I hear a lot and I understand the political sides and the tax thing and all this kind of stuff and, and government control. I understand. I, I hear all that stuff at least. I don't understand it all. That wouldn't be true. Why don't I hear enough Christians saying, I just want to see people get comfort and care where they're sick. The main thing I hear on, well, you know, I always pick the people they want. I, I'm, I'm be honest with you. Know, I always pick the most extreme Christian person sometimes to be on TV sometimes. But even in my everyday conversations with the non-CNN TV Christians, just like me and you, you know, we ain't on TV. Some of the debate I hear is, we just don't want government to pay for that. We don't want big government. What about the discussion we should be having? Folks suffering. There's pain. There's sickness. There's like somehow that's divorced from your sense of Christianity. How you know you you, you ever wonder why hospitals are named after churches and saints and denominations? We kind of forgot that Presbyterian hospital. He's walking the door, not even thinking about that. Where are you going, Mercy? <laughs> what hospital are you in, Saint Peter's? But I don't want the government mess with the health care. That's all I can say. What? The ones who set up the first hospitals that were doing some real medical advances were the believers, were Christians, was the church. That was a church research, medical research. It wasn't because something went wrong and people stopped believing in spiritual things and, and it ushered in this romantic kind of thing and, and folk went crazy and enlightenment and all this kind of stuff. No, the enlightenment, if we look at it, I mean, historically, it is some crazy stuff that happened, but at the same time, 
The church was freed up by this message of the kingdom to begin to research and think about ways to care for people. And now all we can talk about is the tax code. I mean, you can't talk about Jesus taking away sins and it not be connected to the bodies and healing and comfort and mercy and care of people. So that's why we go to the hospital. Why, you know, I always wonder, well, why do you got the, the free parking for the pastors? Huh? Why the hospital got free parking for the pastors? We, we, why are we in there? Because we believe we should all be showing up. We should be fighting for them spaces. When we care for the sick and comfort or trying to help them get well, we preach the message of the kingdom. Of the renewal of God's mercy. Of the reverse of the fall. And again, again, I don't care what side of the healthcare debate you're on. If you are Jesus's, you must be on the side that seeks to provide mercy and comfort for people. Whether you think the government should pay for it, or that the church should have free clinics, or that the tax base should get relief to free up our market and trickle down, whatever. Just be about what Jesus was about, that it was kingdom distinctive to see people comforted and healed. And so, with that, with all the healthcare medicine stuff rightly out of the way, let's go here with it. The Bible says, when Jesus was preaching, the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralytic on the mat tried to take him to the house, and it was too crowded, and so they lowered the man in front of Jesus, and Jesus did say, friend, your sins are forgiven. But then later it says, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, I like that, immediately, he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. That really happened. I believe it really happened. We should be praying and seeking Jesus for miracles. We should be praying that stuff will go well and that we will get a good doctor's report or the cancer will be gone. And we should get prayed for and believe as those who have no other eternal I mean, body change hope outside of Jesus bringing healing to our bodies. And we we should keep coming back and doing what it takes to, to, to get him and get to him and, and knowing that sometimes it doesn't happen when and, and how we want to, but it can only happen by his grace and mercy and power and lordship over the issue. You know, we have this thing, hey, those who are praying, people come up and pray. You're like, oh yeah, that's what all good churches do. They just get the people up there. Just a formality. I don't know if we express it enough and maybe it just looks like a formality. That ain't no joke. We expecting people to get healed. We believe that if you come up and you pray for, you may be healed. Maybe not now, but you will be. We, we, we believe in the prayer that miraculously changes things that are wrong in your body. 
we not playing? And, and the way these people saw him, just followed him all over the place and, and opened up roofs to get to him, it describes our religion and our faith of striving, but groaning and mourning and, and, and begging for the Lord's help, not to manipulate him because you can't, but to express our ultimate and the only hope in him. And I say this because it is easy to romanticize these healing stories. Understand that this was anything but a straightforward, miraculous healing. They were crowded out by the uppity groups. The smart people gather around Jesus. They said there were like 6,000 Pharisees and scribes in the area and in this part of Galilee. And then, so how many folk were crowded out to hear Jesus? He, they got their tickets early to the lecture series and the sick man didn't. He showed up late. They were late and they had to dig through what would have been mud and straw and hardened clay. And the one who needed the healing, guess what? Could not get it for himself. It took community and it took time. And then when they finally again got before Jesus, it was by his authority that their case becomes not just a, I'm going to heal you now, no strings attached, but the healing is postponed. Yeah, maybe for a minute. I granted that, but postpone nevertheless so that they can be used as a show and tell of Jesus' messianic claims before the Pharisees and scribes. He paused the process. He prolonged the healing, the body healing part. He made more out of it to get more out of it for his glory. And it should inform our faith and our belief and our trust in Jesus to heal us. That it may be, it may be a, a less than clean and easy path. And some of us are, are, are young in our faith and, and we may not understand that. And some of us are, are, are old in our faith and we're tired. And we've forgotten that sometimes it isn't an easy path. Sometimes it's filled with having to go through a lot of mess to get to a place where we can see Jesus and, and get it for ourselves. And then it may require for some of us that we get help. And everyone has to be all up in our brokenness and our business. You might have to tell somebody, like the elders, how sick and can't get right you really are. You might say, I'm paralyzed. I can't get to Jesus. I don't believe in it no more. Something messed up. I, my knee been hurting like this for too long. I can't understand what he's doing. And, and you know, sometimes it does require the community. Jesus also might be trying to teach us something and show us something as we wait. For the bad feelings and years of suffering and pain to go away. Guess what? Just maybe so that we and others can see Jesus for his power and authority. You know, I wonder that, you know, especially if you're a Christian, it's hard. Because you're telling your friends, I'm praying. Like if you're sick, I'm praying that I get well. And, and what about this person getting sick? I mean, think about me. You know, some of y'all got the same story. Your mama's sick or somebody else's sick. We're Christians. We're praying for them. And then they die. What's the point? Maybe Jesus wants to teach folk about his authority. That he's still the Lord, even if he doesn't do it, because he's the Lord and he decided not to do it our way hard 
He might prolong our healing until we get to heaven. But even if that is the case, where else would you want to be? I mean, like these men and seeking healing from us, looking to him as the power authority and one who will cross the finish line for our bodies to be better forever before him, needing him, seeking him, regardless of the outcome is still the best place you and me and we can ever bring others. So we press with a humility that can't make it happen on our own or in our own time or according to the piety or our steps of faith, but to trust Jesus, to be with him and know he is the, He is with us in our sickness to make it happen for you. So guess what? Don't stop praying. Don't stop coming to him or bringing your friends and family who can't or won't even come for themselves. Don't stop interrupting busy Jesus or crowded out. Jesus seems crowded out with the world's heavier cares. But through prayer and the fellowship and sacraments and and the church and the the way we seek the scriptures for comfort, those things call us and, and dig us to the roof of separation we have between us and our Lord. And it puts us into the presence of God through Jesus. And we don't know what being in that presence is going to mean, but we we don't know ultimately if it's going to mean we're going to be healed right now. But it means that we have a Savior we can trust. To lay there like this paralyzed man with ultimate expectation and belief that Jesus wants to heal us and will heal us. We just don't always know when and how or even why or why not. But something else miraculous is going on here in this healing and request of this paralytic. Y'all hear the story? He's not the only paralytic in the room, is he? He's not the only one who found it hard to get to Jesus. (laughs) Or in this case, get Jesus. He wasn't the only one who needed a breakthrough, was he? The Bible says that the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to this house to hear Jesus and that when he said to the man, paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, they thought it in their mind that they thought he was being blasphemous because he was acting like God and forgiving sins. Who does he think he is? But they wouldn't say it out loud. The Pharisees and teachers, verse 21 of the law, began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can?" I, I, you know how people think to themselves in groups? They kind of look around at each other. <laughs> or just look down. And we all think in the same thing. So they have a community of thought. They're actually having a conversation quietly. And it says, not Jesus saw their heads moving. Jesus knew what they were thinking. <laughs> Remember I said, Jesus, don't invite him to your party. <laughs> he know who you're trying to hit on. <clears throat> and he know if it's your wife or not. He know. He might say something. Okay, moving on. And he said, and they thought he was blasphemous. And, 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 but they wouldn't say it like, but Jesus, remember, he had the divine psychic power, not to be confused with the neon sign, donning mother love, or Dion Warwick fronted so-called friends at that 900 number, different thing. He knew what they were thinking and couldn't and wouldn't say for themselves. And he says this, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? I love that, in your hearts. It ain't just a thought. Y'all ain't just, you know, doing an academic thing, something wrong, real deep. Remember that piece, okay. Which is easy, which is easy to say. Your sins are forgiven. He always got to ask these questions. It's multiple choice, but A and B are right. Okay. Your sins are forgiven. Which one, Jesus? 
It's C, Jesus. Okay, moving on. Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said, a paralyzed mind, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And the man walked. And the answer to this question is tricky, right? Is it actually harder if, if it is actually harder, if it is true that you're forgiving sins because you'd have to be God to forgive sins like that. But at the same time, to call power at your command and authority and all can see it happen is hard too. Is it easy to believe in David Blaine or Dr. Phil? Which one? I feel better, Dr. Phil. I'm floating. Which one? <laughs> Little leg trick. But the, the point is, is the point, you know, both are hard, is the, you know, is the point. But one is easy to see, but not any easier to believe. Here is the point that Jesus' question is giving us. That Jesus has not only come as the one with the power and authority to heal paralyzed and broken bodies, but paralyzed and broken hearts. And they go hand in hand. To actually fix our ability to believe in and trust him. I mean, he's going to do what his friends did for this paralytic. He is going to, in forgiving sins, heal us so that we can rightly walk rightly before and see God. These Pharisees and teachers of the law are paralyzed in their faith, along with the people who are following them. I would say they're constipated, spiritually constipated. Yeah. They've eaten so much self-writing and you got, you, you got to and can do it all right enough for God to love you spiritual protein shakes that the stuff that should build faith now stops faith from moving. Y'all won't forget that. That's, I didn't. But you get it. So Jesus has come to bring their paralyzed faith freedom by giving what they cannot give or manufacture or be good enough to get. Stuff like forgiveness, healed relationship and right standing, belief and faith before God as broken sinners. He came to heal souls. I know what you're thinking in your heart. He came to heal souls that have been deformed by pharisaical, legal or disbelief home remedies. Where they have whipped up and mixed up a potion devoid of messianic grace fiber. Just with a bunch of do these things, follow these unwritten words, or, or you can't you believe in that God Jesus stuff. Or they've taken their own medicine, their own potions and promises and given it to others they lead. And now the whole group of them are, are cracked by this legalistic critical crack, right? They are selling folk. And Jesus saying, I like the friends of this paralytic have power and authority. You don't to break through the mud and straw of your relationship with God so that you can be with him and be freed freed and healed from the sin and unbelief because I heal bodies but I also heal souls some of you here are sickened from being in religious homes that were Jesusless plenty of morals no grace Messiah some of you are paralyzed in your face faith you you, you can't believe anything spiritual and supernatural that church stuff I mess with that you know it's because some of you some of you here have come from homes or, or or religious experience where they said have enough faith and you'll get healed and you had enough faith and you weren't healed you know how many times I've watched the 700 club hoping Pat Robertson would say my name I don't know if you ever watched that show, but at the end they prayed, you know, somebody out there has a hurt leg. And I was playing football and I hurt my leg outside and I came in. I'm like, Pat, please. (laughs) 
and they said, someone has something wrong with their foot. Yes! I jumped. Okay. Wasn't healed. Wasn't healed. Wasn't healed. Wasn't me. It was somebody else with a foot thing. But anyway, you know, and so you get this place where you're like, I don't believe in Jesus. He's too scary, too distant. Some of us are so right, so religious, so holy, so self-righteous and proud. We think we got it and doing the right steps to manipulate God to work for us that like the crowd, we are right next to Jesus and yet so far away. Some of us have complicated, complex issues of the heart put there by abuse and neglect and condemnation and judgment and spiritual abuse by so-called godly leaders. And some of us are our parent, you know, or some of our parents that you are now a great Pharisee and legalist yourself, making your own laws and your own sense of righteousness. Let me ask you, is it easier for Jesus to heal your body or your soul? I know what it's like to be caught in unbelief. I'm cynical about Jesus a lot more than I should be. And I love Jesus more than I should or could as a sinner. And that's a miracle. He has the power and authority to bring you to him and begin to heal the broken relationship with you and God and others and yourself and your world. The Bible says this in closing. The man immediately stood up, verse 25, and in front of them, look what he had been lying on and, and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things. I don't know if they all knew all of why they were praising God or should have been praising God, but they could They could. Don't let this part pass you by. You know, if, if this were a movie, this would be the scene with the credits running down. You're not really looking. Don't let the credits run on this part of the text. They could praise God, y'all. They couldn't praise him before Jesus healed them. As he healed this man. They couldn't jump up and thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise him, jumping around, filled with awe. We believe in God again. None of that stuff could have happened. They can now worship God. Understand that praising God, living in truth and reality of him and him in relation with us as what is what we were originally and rightfully created to do. But that when sin came in the world through human disobedience and arrogance to God, with it came a paralyzing impossible to change our body and our souls sin we're paralyzed but through Jesus we can finally be human again whole again Stuff works right so that we can worship right. That whether we're broken on the outside, the inside is healed and being healed. That whether we're still damaged on the inside a little bit, we still, because Jesus comes with power and authority to change us, are confident to praise him and act for him and believe in him and come up and get prayed for and share it with our friends because of what he has done. Jesus is the healer. Healing our bodies. And healing our souls. It is hard to believe. 
you are paralyzed. Call on him. Pray again. Lord, my disbelief. I'm so hard in my heart. I don't be one of them crazy Christian fanatic folk. Lord, make me fall in love with you and trust you. Make me love your word. I don't want to. I just want to be critical and cynical and mad. Heal me. Lord, I've been dealing with this sickness for so long. These people in my life, they've been so sick. I got mental illness in my family. I got all these things. Heal me, Lord. Again, heal me, Lord. And then next week, heal me, Lord. And I promise you, well, I don't promise you. You can't trust me. I can tell you the word promises. For those who turn their faith to Jesus Christ, they will be healed. Let's pray. Heal us because we're broken. Carry us to a place where we can see you because our faith is paralyzed by all kind of mess. Bring us into your presence, the presence of your grace so that we can finally do what we were created to do. Worship you and enjoy you forever. Do this for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.